Good morning, everyone. I, you're, you're not done hearing from me. I know. I'm going to do quick announcements, thankfully. Um, and it's just, it's just the Connect card, I believe. So there's the, the little paper on your guys' chairs is our Connect card. And it's any, if you have any questions or we, we want to hear from you, first of all. So please, everybody fill that out. Um, and I, there's a basket in the foyer that you can put the Connect cards into. You guys, I'm really good at this. So um, sometimes you guys think that, you know, Jen can be much, a bit much on, I'll challenge it, I'll challenge it, so. Um, so please fill out your Connect cards for those of you watching on the live stream. Hi, good morning, happy you're here. Please fill out the online Connect cards, um, that would be great. We love to hear from you, any questions you might have, any um, inquiries about any of the ministries that we are a part of or that we have going on at our church. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on, so please reach out to us if you want to know more. Um, and that's, I think that's everything. Um, I'm going to pray, and we'll get into it. God, I thank you for this space to worship you, to be in your presence. I pray as Annie comes up here to speak this morning, that you would fill our hearts with your word, that you would give us the wisdom to hear through all the noise going on outside of these four walls and maybe some noise that might be going on within these, within these walls. Um, would you speak into us, speak life into us, nourish our bodies with your guidance, with your power as Annie is speaking. And I pray that you would give Annie the wisdom to speak through your eyes so that we may receive your words, not hers, but yours alone. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Rebecca and the team. That was so beautiful. And that was exactly the prayer that God's been, when I, I drove up from Portland, Oregon this morning, and that was exactly, yeah, it was really fun. And no, I mean it. I really love driving. Joe and I were just talking about how like long road trips and no traffic. I mean, it's Sunday morning. But that was exactly the prayer, like, okay, Lord, you, you've got this. <laughs> oh, which is, he does. He's so good. He's so good, right? So anyway, hello, Brookview. I'm so happy to be back with you. I'm Annie Bencheu. I am a pastor. I'm ordained with the Christian Missionary Alliance. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, and I've been pastoring at a small church for about 10 years in Vancouver, Washington, and then I transitioned to caring for youth pastors. So um, I, got to, I get to work with Jen and Trevor, who was before Jen, um, and all of your youth workers, which if you're here, yay. Um, so that was something that I got to do with the district for a couple years, and now I'm in transition. Hi! Oh my gosh, she's here. I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was like, wait, that dear face. Yes. Um, I loved working with youth pastors. And it was Alaska, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. And just getting to help them see, help them um, with whatever they need, curriculum, prayer, troubleshoot problems in youth ministry. And it's a big, 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 big job. So um, kudos to youth workers because students need us. Students need us so so desperately, especially the ones that don't know that they are loved and known and seen by God. 
So um, I'm super into that. Oh, okay. So starting time now. So that, that was a freebie. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so I drove up here this morning. Totally, I am 100% a Swifty. I know that it doesn't seem like it because I didn't get a ticket because I could not afford it. But if you are a Swifty, you know it's like she's like in your city today. Like she's like here. Like, that's crazy. So I was like, I was thinking on the way up here. I, I worked on, I listened to God, prayed, and worked on the talk, like, while I was driving. And then the last half hour, I turned on Taylor Swift, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, nice to meet you. Where you been? I can show you incredible, incredible things about Jesus. <laughs> so I have a really annoying habit that I think is an amazing superpower. <laughs> Is I love to take any song and tell you how it applies to God. <laughs> My kids hate it. Yeah, some of you know, because you're like, when people sing about deep love or like wanting belonging or having grief, like I'm like, Jesus is the answer. And my kids are like, please don't wreck my music. And I'm like, it's not wrecking, it's making it better. So yeah, if you've, um, if I've had the pleasure of meeting you, I'm grateful that you're here again. And um, maybe you've heard some of my story, but I met the Lord my senior year in high school, and he saved my life. He saved my life. I was on a trajectory for despair and destruction. I don't think I would be here today without him. And um, my two, like, sermon within a sermon notes is, one, the church, seeing people together like you all, loving each other, caring for each other, having potlucks, shaking each other's hand, giving hugs, um, forgiving each other. The church being the church is what introduced me to Jesus. And that, that verse, John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so, as always, like, love one another well, and you do so, so well at Brookview. Um, and then, so the second, my second little thing that, is going to tie into this talk, I just know it, is my favorite verse of Psalm 18, uh, 16 through 19. But me he caught, this is the desperation of the lostness without Jesus. But me he caught, reached all the way from sky to sea, pulled me out of the ocean of hate, that enemy chaos, the void in which I was drowning. They hit me when I was down, but God stuck by me. He stood me up on a wide open field. I stood there saved, surprised to be loved. Those words, you can read it in the message in Psalm 18, those words are true for every human being. He reaches down, that's why he came, and he pulls us up into a wide open field, loved. Whether we, whether we always heard that our whole life or need to know that desperately, it's, we're loved. Oh, I love little voices, that's so good. I love them, sorry I called it out. I just, it, it really is endearing to me. Um, let me pray. Uh, Rebecca just prayed such a beautiful pray, prayer for me, and I always just love to start that way, so let me pray for us. Oh, Father, thank you so much for Jesus. God, would you help us turn our attention to you? Would you help us um, just lean into maybe things we already know about you, but be reminded about you, of how great you are and how wonderful you are and how dear you are, how, how little significant insignificant and significant things in our lives matter to you. That God, you don't leave anything, that you redeem everything, and that you love us so much that you do that for us. Lord, would we just see that in the story we get to look at today? And um, thank you, God. Thank you that you are, 
you are everything. You are the ultimate good Samaritan. We are so, so grateful for your rescue. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, yeah, so how many of you have been told your whole life to like mind your own business? Like by, by a well-meaning grandparent or mother or father, like mind your own business, like right? Which is a really good tip for some things. It's a really good tip for um, other people's problems, <laughs> other people's growth, other people's whatever. We mind our own business, right? Like there's, there's two things, right, we don't talk about. You guys know what they are? You do. Thank you. Politics and religion. Yeah, like you just don't. I got to do a little presentation for the city of Vancouver uh, last week, which was really nerve-wracking, about religion in the workplace. And so many people were like, it doesn't belong. You mind your own business. And it was, it was very interesting. It was a very nuanced conversation that I hope I did it justice. But we mind our own business, um, but God didn't. There's one exception to minding our own business, and, and it's, it is also nuanced, because we, we aren't, and God, Jesus did this, and we're going to see this in the story so beautifully. He didn't hammer us with something. He, like, he came and he showed us, and he invited, and he, he cultivated, and he, he let it grow in us. He's, he's such an excellent teacher. Um, this is a really awesome devotional. Bread for the Resistance, 40 Devotions for Justice People. And Donna Barber says in, in, on page 104, I'm going to start my talk and I'm going to end it with this because it's so beautiful. Um, Love became a person, stepping into our pain and walking in our grief. Love willingly, voluntarily died, and in so doing, made new life available to you and me. So I love that quote. And it goes in, uh, she talks about in that same devotional, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay our lives down for uh, for our brothers and sisters. So the story we're going to look at today is about our business. It's our business. It's our business. A lot of things are not our business. This is our business. Um, And this story is, I think, the only time in the Bible we get the classic joke, the priest the, what is it, the priest, the rabbi, and the whatever, sinner, walk into a bar, right? <laughs> Jesus totally steals the joke, or maybe made it. It's, it's not a joke, but it's the <laughs> priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. And so it's kind of a cute little play on, like, Jesus says, okay, guys, let's look at the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan as they walk into not a bar. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we'll be in Luke 10, 25 through 37, and I'm going to invite Brian up, oh yeah, there he is, to read, um, but I want you to notice that it's a conversation, some of you might be very familiar with the story, and some of you might not be familiar at all, and I want you to notice that it's actually like a conversation happening, because I think we can zoom into the, the, the lesson that Jesus is teaching, but like, listen for that conversation, and we'll, we'll break it up into pieces in just a minute, so thanks, Brian. I was thinking about maybe my uh, Taylor Swift song. Um, <laughs> Joe and Rebecca, even today, was talking about tempo, and sometimes I have a little caffeine before I get up here, so that might be why you see me bouncing around with a awesome. chicken with my hair cut off, so you need to calm down. Yes, yes. So, That's always yeah. me, same. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to try and slow it down here and read this passage so everybody can understand it. Yeah. 
All right, Luke 10, 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, mm-hmm. brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took, the two out, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any, expense, any extra expense you may have. Which of these three people do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian, for that. Um, Yeah. But he wanted to justify himself. That line, even the inflection you read it with was so perfect. It was like, but he wanted to justify himself. And it's like, don't we want to do that? Um, so yeah, that's, Jesus is brilliant. He's a brilliant teacher. <laughs> this is a teacher of the law and the Messiah <laughs> talking. Um, and the teacher of law, of course, doesn't know that. He's testing Jesus, right? He's, teachers give tests, right? They want to like know what you know. And this teacher of the law um, wanted to know what Jesus knew. And so we're just going to, like, walk through the conversation slowly together. Um, His first question to test him was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, some scholars say that what he was asking was, how do I live? What must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I live? How do I live life eternally as a child of God, let's say? And Jesus' response, of course, is so brilliant because he knows he's a teacher of the law. This is the thing about Jesus' teaching skills. Um, Jesus, like any good teacher, how many of you all are teachers? You, there's, yeah, there's, oh, so many. So you know, um, you know better than me. Teaching is one of my, like of the gifting, teaching is one of the least, so that's why I'm a little bit abstract random. But you teachers, <laughs> but you teachers know that wooing your students into the discovery of whatever it is will help them um, stick to it more. Like, and Jesus is a genius at this. He asks good questions and helps them. He doesn't have anxiety about, I need to give you the facts of what's right. He knows he has to like help you along to discover it maybe for yourself, which I know good teachers like always make me do that. And I'm always like, hey, you tricked me into that. Like, I thought this, and now I've changed my mind. (laughs) Now I agree with you, which is super annoying. Um, But Jesus is such a genius at this. So this teacher of the law, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, what's written in the law? 
He went for the thing that this guy is an expert in. What's written in the law? How do you read it? Jesus says. And he answers. He answers perfectly because he's a really good teacher. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's right. Do it, and you'll live. That's the eternal life connection. Do that. Do those things. Okay, that's a big ask. If you were a teacher of the law in this time, in the Jewish synagogues, you knew that that is perfect love described. It's called the Shema. And it's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is what he quoted. And I'll just read it for you. It's here too. Here, they call it the here. Shema means here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on door frames of your houses and gates. This was the classic Israelite response. They knew that verse. Like, that is the answer. Like, this is who God is, our one God. you got to love him with everything because he loves us with everything, right? And then the second part, love your neighbor as yourself, comes from Leviticus 19.18. And it says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Which means, do it. (laughs) I said so. So, This teacher of the law says these two things to Jesus, and Jesus simply says, great, you got it, which those two things are quite difficult and quite perfect, right? They are the perfect law. So Jesus, in another uh, book, Matthew 23, actually takes the whole chapter to tell us what he thinks about teachers of the law. I'm sure it's not all teachers of the law, okay? It's just a generalized, like, idea of teachers of the law. And in verse 3, Matthew 23, 3, he says, So you must be careful about teachers of the law. You must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Which is super scary. It gives me chills, actually. Yeah. We got to check that all the time, right? Especially me as, like, a preacher. It's like, okay. Do I do what I say I do? You know, even this talk, like driving up here with God, I was like, oh, Lord, I need to be more aware of what's going on around me. Um, So he takes the whole, Matthew takes the whole chapter of chapter 23 to tell you how how rough it is for teachers of the law. Um, But do what they tell you to, but don't do what they do. Don't watch them because they don't practice what they preach, um, which is really scary. So that's what he thinks of them, and that's why, I think that's why he says in, in verse, what is it? You have answered correctly, 28, do this and you will live, okay? Could have been the end of the conversation. Could have been like, cool, bye, got it. Uh, the teacher of the law could have said, I do that, which he kind of did. So going in to the next question the teacher of the law asked Jesus, excuse me, and who is my neighbor? If you remember, the Leviticus passage said, among your people, right? 
And this teacher of the law is trying to justify himself, is what the scripture tells us. The narrator tells us, Luke tells us, that he's trying to justify himself. So he wants um, to kind of show proof that he's got it. The, the definition of justify is to show or prove to be right or reasonable. He's like, hey, Jesus, I get it. I get it. I already do that. But I want to know if you know that I get it. Does that make sense? And then that word justify, it, what trips me about the word justify is I know and you know, if you have had this experience with Jesus, that you cannot justify yourself, that I cannot justify myself, that, that all of us as humans in a broken world have to depend on the great justifier to justify us. We have to. Or we get stuck just like the teacher of the law in a list of rules we, we, where we're doing behavior management. And some of us at different times of our walk with Jesus get stuck in that. We, we're stuck in that bullet point like, okay, I'm doing all the things. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, I'm going to church, I'm, you know, whatever it is that your list is, right? Instead of, I cannot justify myself. I need to rely on the dependence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit every day to live into what that means as a, as a faith person, as a follower of Jesus, as a person walking in my life. So this teacher of the law says, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus is like, okay. I tried to let you off the hook by saying, just do it and go. Um, now I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> I love that about Jesus. Again, like your teachers know, hey, a story really helps people sink it in. Um, so Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a story time when he was attacked by robbers. Oh no! They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Terrible, horrible situation. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. That's a problem. And then two, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So that little story Jesus tells, um, what do you guys think? Who do you resonate with in the story? So we have two nonfiction characters, the teacher of the law and Jesus, right? The teacher of the law gives tests, um, like tests for the water to, for a baby. Like he's, he can give, it doesn't have to be like vindictive test, like a trick. It, can't, it could be, some scholars say it is a trick, but it could also just be like a test of like, let's check and see. Let's check and see. Like, you know, it could be like that. Um, but we also are told that he wants to justify himself and prove that he passes the test. And then we have the other nonfiction character, Jesus, who's like, ta-da, Messiah, and not everybody knows that yet, and it's going to be cool, and you're going to be amazed in a couple years from this conversation. Um, and then we have the fiction characters, which is the priest, who is a temple worker, a person who serves the Eucharist, it's calls it something different, the, lets all the sacrifices, does all of those like temple service for the people to be close to God. That's what the priest's job is. And then the second fictitional character is the Levite, 
who the Levite is another, like, oh, the Levites are just adored and loved by the Jewish community. And the Levite is, um, does service too in the temple, but different kinds of service. Like they're craftsmen, they, they're musicians, they're, they're a bunch of different things, but that's the Levite. So these are both religious leaders. Um, and then the third character, a fictional character, is a Samaritan, which is fascinating, right? Because we've heard about the office of these two Jewish people, priest, Levite. But we've only heard the ethnicity race of this other person, Samaritan. We haven't heard what his job is. But these three people are the fictional people in the story. And as you listen to it, you might kind of go, huh, who am I in the story? There's one more fictional character, well, two really, but one more fictional main character in the story. You guys know who it is? Yeah, the wounded guy, the victim, the guy that was attacked, vulnerable, half dead, beaten, robbed, abandoned, betrayed, bruised, helpless. Um, I don't know if any of you, I just started like for, like, side note, for body acceptance, I've been doing yoga. I don't know if any of you do yoga, but there's this pose at the end of every yoga class. Some of you are familiar with it? Shavasana. And it is supposed to be dead. (laughs) It's kind of creepy. But I was like thinking about, I was talking to God about it, doing this pose. I was like, oh, wow. How to feel useless is what they say. Like, how do you let your body just go limp? Like to feel useless. This wounded guy is useless. He is like laying there useless. And I, that's just kind of a cool exercise in terms of like in my prayer life of like, okay, God, I'm just yours and that's okay. So, but let's zoom into that wounded man, right? Um, Because he's, honestly, he's the most like us. Um, If you're a follower of Jesus, you, it's so hard to say because every person is different and every person's relationship with God is different. But when you meet him, when you meet God, and whether that's when you're a small child or when you're an adult or a teenager or whatever, you have this encounter where you're like, okay, I get to be rescued right now. And you might sometimes not remember that moment. And it's really important to remember that moment as often as you can. The moment where you say, I am helpless, I am half dead, I am useless, I am, and, and yes, God made us beautiful and talented and wonderful, and we got to see that on the stage this morning. It was incredible. Um, but in those moments of betrayal and sadness and vulnerability and, and difficulties, that's when our Savior steps in. He didn't leave us alone. He came to earth for this very purpose. Back to our story. So Jesus, this is a pop quiz Jesus gives at the end of the story. So he tells the story to this uh, teacher of the law, and then he says, (laughs) like a good teacher, (laughs) which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the teacher of the law says this, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. I love that word mercy. Um, the definition I've been working on is expending your own resources to alleviate someone else's suffering. Expending your own resources to alleviate someone's suffering. That word pity, it's mentioned twice in the scripture. 
that word pity, it always bothers me because I do not like to be pitied. I don't know if you're like me and you're like, please, yeah, I got some nods. Don't pity me. But then I looked it up and I was like, oh, Lord, I was kind of convicted. The feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by someone else's suffering. So I was like, oh, I am pitiable. <laughs> you can, you know, I have had suffering. I have, we all have, we all have had suffering. And so I love that the teacher of the law turns to that word and says the one who had mercy on him, expending our own resources to alleviate someone else's suffering. This is where, you know, we started with saying there's a lot of things that are none of our business. This is where this is our business. If we have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ in our life in such a way that has alleviated our suffering, pulled us out of the ocean of hate, the enemy chaos, the void in which we were drowning. It's not that we should, it, it's not that we, it's not that, that we have to, to be good or be okay. It's that it's what pours out of us. It's not a checklist of something to do. It's how we are. As we follow Jesus, as we get closer to God, our heart joins with his heart and our hearts break for suffering people. That's just naturally comes out of the life of a follower of Jesus. And I love it that Jesus says, yeah, do it. <laughs> he's so good because he's like, he's just so, he's often, not always, he's often so neutral. Like, yeah, go do likewise. Go do likewise. You said it. He, got, he gave this guy two opportunities to say, yeah, do it. You remember that verse in Matthew 23? Like, teachers of the law sometimes spit the game, but don't practice the game. Like, that's, that's what the teachers of the law struggle with. And so Jesus says first, oh, yeah, do it. You got it. Now do it. And then again, after all of that story, okay, do it. So how do we move from pity, compassion, to action? to mercy. How do we do that? It is our business because we were his. We were his. Jesus, so when we look at all the characters and we put ourselves as the wounded one, Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan. He came, John 1. He, I lost it. You guys know it. Some of you know it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And all things were made through him, and nothing came to be without him. Jesus is the best good Samaritan, and this, this encounter with the teacher of the law is an opportunity for him and for us to see that we cannot love perfectly the way that the Shema says. We we, God is the source of love. God is the require, he requires all of our love because he has loved us so much. And because we have fallen short of that, Jesus steps in and is our justifier. And I, the nuance of the story is just incredible. Please take time to read it again later this afternoon or tomorrow or this week. That Jesus is giving him these ingredients, this, this beautiful sculpted conversation with the teacher of the law that says, yeah, that's right. Do it. Oh, you can't? You can't justify yourself. Jesus is the justifier. You really can't justify yourself. You can try. You will burn out. You will burn out if you try. 
It's, it was, we were his business. He didn't leave us suffering. He came to us. I love watching, <laughs> I love watching Jesus rescue others. Maybe you can think of a time or someone right now in your life that you're watching Jesus step in for, have mercy with, uh, provide for. Like, it's really, it's so helpful to get out of our own stories and out of our own heads to think about the people around us. Like, who do you see that Jesus is showing mercy to today? That he is reaching, reaching down into their life and bringing them close to him. It's, it's gorgeous and beautiful to look at. And it, it reminds me of what he did for me, and it gets me excited about what he'll do for others. And how has he shown you mercy? Just the same way as like getting out of our story and looking at others that Jesus is showing mercy to. Because we can get bogged down in the junk of our lives that feel like, oh, we, we don't have it. We don't have anything. We can feel sorry for ourselves. We can have pity parties. But really, when I go back through my story, where has Jesus shown me mercy? Where have I been rescued and walked through? And when was I beaten and bruised? And he sent someone. He came. He helped me. Who has shown, who have you seen Jesus showing mercy to? And how has he shown you mercy? Because that's going back to our theme. It's our business. This is our business. The whole message of Jesus 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. We love, we love actively. You guys have lived, loved, love, lived. Live, love, love, lived. Baby, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you guys know, this is, so, oh my gosh, this story is your story. You live, loved, you love, lived. Can you, can you tell me what it is, Rebecca? <laughs> love, lived. Live out love. Sorry. See, I, so I'm, I, I love it both ways, so I'm always like, oh my gosh, that's the Live Love Church. Love lived. So uh, I, love, I love it. That's, that's Jesus. Love lived. He freaking does it. He, he takes the responsibility. He, he doesn't leave us stranded. He steps in. And, and not, he's a gentleman. He's not pushy. He, the picture of the Good Samaritan, that guy just, the, the guy was half dead. And the Good Samaritan goes over and tends to his wounds. gets really dirty. To his, we didn't even get to this, and it's not even a part of my talk, his enemy. This is a Jewish man, a Samaritan going to a Jewish man that's half dead. They were, there had so much animosity. Oh, doesn't that remind you of a scripture that while we were enemies to the cross of Christ, he came. That's how deeply oh, he loves. It's so good. Matthew 10, 8, freely receive, freely receive. It's gushed out on you. The love of Jesus is poured out, oh, so beautifully. If you have suffering, if you have woundedness, if you have pain, if you have abuse, if you have been attacked, the suffering of Jesus covers you. I have one student that said to me, a, a struggling student that said to me, without the suffering of Jesus, I couldn't be a Christian. It, it turned the way I saw Jesus' suffering because I usually try to avoid it because it's too painful for me. I hate to see our Savior suffer. But without the suffering of Jesus, our suffering wouldn't have a place. Freely receive that place of, of care, of nurture, of justification, of salvation. Freely receive and then freely give it. 
Freely give it. Freely give it just like the Good Samaritan did. Bandage wounds. Sacrifice. What, what was our definition of mercy? Expending your own resources to alleviate someone else's suffering. Expend your own resources to alleviate someone else's suffering. What, a, what an amazing spiritual practice that would be. And I know many of you do that. Freely receive, freely give. And then Matthew 28, classic, 19 through 20, go and make disciples. Teach them everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Share it. Share it like the Good Samaritan. Yeah. I, I like, so it's, it's funny, like the, the lessons in evangelism, if you want to use the churchy word, are funny because I love, I I'd hate for anyone to think I'm saying go and like pound it into someone's head with your Bible. I, I would hate for anybody to th hear me say that. I'm saying watch for the wounded guys <laughs> on the side of the street. Whatever that looks like in your life, watch for the wounded people and show them mercy. That is the gospel in action that is and and when they ask you why you're so loving and caring for everybody please tell them it's because jesus loves and cares for you but first look for the wounded people because jesus looked for us jesus looked for me jesus looked for you jesus is looking for you we look for the wounded people he didn't leave us half dead we watch for opportunities to expend our own resources to alleviate someone else's suffering. Um, one quick little note about that. Know your resources. Know what you have. Even your story about how Jesus rescued you. Know that as a resource. And then know your other resources too. This guy, I mean, he stopped everything in his life. I mean, he probably had something to go to. And he gave away his time and he gave away his money, and he gave away his donkey, and he gave away his first aid kit. <sighs> know your resources um, so that you can be ready. And ask God, ask Holy Spirit. Me too, I'm, I'm asking God today on the way up here. I was asking God, open my eyes to the wounded around me. Open my eyes to the small gestures of care, of mercy that I can show to those around me that you, Lord, are for sure putting in my path, for sure. I have lots of examples of that, but I, I'm not going to get into it. Um, so I'll end with it. I'm going to pray after I read this. This is again from Donna Barber. As with Christ in you and me, he's in us, by the Spirit of God, love is transformed from a romantic notion into a human being, Jesus. Love becomes a hug on a hard day. Love gives up a Friday night to watch a neighbor's kids. Love sits beside me in a hospital waiting room, stands with me at a graveside of my mother, and walks with me in protest at the rally on the street. And at God's command, love dies. This obedience does not destroy, but rather emboldens us. His great love became a sacrifice for us, and we can sacrifice those two. We can sacrifice. Let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice that is represented in this room. The people who live loved, love lived. 
baby. <laughs> um, because of your love. I just thank you so much for anybody doing any service this morning. Uh, children's, uh, babies, uh, hospitality, uh, anybody doing any service. It does, like in and out of this building, it doesn't matter. God, I just pray that your love would be felt through each generous act of sacrifice. That when we give our resources to alleviate the suffering of others, Lord, that you would um, help us remember that that's because of you. Help us flourish in our relationship with you when that happens and help it be communicated as your love. That we can, because your Holy Spirit is within us, that we can live in a way that loves others. God, thank you that you did that first for us, that we have no business doing that without the encounter of your love for us. Lord, if there's anyone in the room today that isn't sure if they live in your love, God, would they just take the moment right now? Oh. You, God, love them so much. I know it 100%. You love them, you made them, you see them. God, would they, would they gently turn their face to you right now and receive your love? God, thank you so much for everything you've given. Thank you for being the ultimate good Samaritan. Thank you for coming to us even while we were still enemies. Wow. God, would you help everyone here lean into who you are this week? Would they devour your word and walk in your light and feel your presence? Would they uh, smile at passersby? Would they um, just look for the wounded people in, in their life and on their side of the street and wherever they are to show your love? In Jesus' name, amen.